0: Good morning, Tapestry. It is so good to be back with you as we're gathering together um, here this morning. We've been spending the last few weeks um, looking at practical steps that you can take in times like this, times of uncertainty. Um, And and what we've discovered along the way is that the Bible is an amazing resource uh, during times like this because it is full of people and situations that are just drowning in uncertainty. Um, and as many of you know, as many of you have experienced or are experiencing um, throughout this time where we don't know, you know, is this thing going away? Is it going to stay away? When is everything going to be back to normal? What's going to happen? Um, there's a weight that you can feel from all of those things, from all of that uncertainty. And that's on top of all of the other weight of other things in life that you've been carrying around. But th- this, this weight just sits on us. And the Bible has people that not only went through uh, uncertainty and handled it well, but they went through and didn't do well at all, um, that we're able to take lessons from. Um, and today, we're going to look at a story that, that we've looked at, you know, over, from time to time over the years here at Tapestry, um, but it is just so applicable for this time that we're in now. And I think it's a really great place to end this this series. And this is one of my favorite stories. And the reason that it's one of my favorite stories is because there aren't any miracles in this story, right? There aren't any, like, um, in miracle stories, like you read those and you see how things work out and they're like, ah, yeah, but that's cheating. Like, they got the miracle. Like, I don't get the miracle in my life. And maybe you've had an an example of the miracle in your life, but it's not a regular occurrence, right? And so when you read those stories, like, you're like, yeah, that's great, but I didn't get the miracle. And and this is one of those stories that's like, there's no miracles. And so you're like, okay, I can tap into this. I I can connect with this. Um, And the great thing about this is that even though there's no miracle, God was still working, and here's the challenge. The challenge is that it is difficult to be certain in your faith, certain about God in uncertain times. It's difficult to follow God in uncertain times because when, when it's easy and, and things are going well, you know, the, the feeling is like, oh, there's God. God is so good, isn't he? But then when you hit times of uncertainty and things aren't going your way and there's struggles, you know, there's that, all of a sudden then it's, where's God? What's God, what's God up to? And it's difficult to follow God when God doesn't seem to want to be followed, right? It's difficult to follow God when he's not rewarding you every step of the way for being a faithful follower, It's hard to follow God when there are no tangible signs that he is even interested in your life. And in uncertain times, the temptation for us is to draw the conclusion that God is not interested in our life. Because if he were, things would be different. Things would be going well. Things would be going my way. And my tendency, I don't know about you, but my tendency in uncertain times is to say my prayers and tell God what I want and what I need and how I think he should act. And then when I get to the end of my prayer to kind of have this attitude of like, okay, so there it is, God. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? My son, when he comes in and asks me for things, um, he'll come in. And he always makes a pitch. He's the king of negotiation. And so he makes this pitch and, you know, tells me all the reasons why and convinces me I should do it. And then when he gets done, he kind of steps back and he's like, so? You know, that hopeful, what are you going to do, dad? You're going to say yes. You're going to come through. And I get like that with God in uncertain times, right? I give my, and then I'm like, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But, but isn't it amazing how quiet God can be in uncertain times? Isn't it, isn't it crazy that, that when we need him the most, he can seem so distant? When you need direction, you know, what do you do? How, how do you give these things over to God? So, so far over the last few weeks, we have looked at three really practical steps of things you can do in times of uncertainty. First one, pray. Just to pray, pray, pray. And not just like regular surface prayers for what's going on around, but pray like get below the surface. Figure out the fear that's driving your anxiety during this time of uncertainty. And when you get to that fear, realize God can take care of that. Second thing we looked at was remembering. Remembering everything God has been faithful to us in our past And when we remember him in our past, we can factor him into our future. And then last week we looked at seek. We're seeking something. Something has our attention. We're going after something and God says, go after my thing and I'll take care of all the things that you need. Now, today we're gonna talk about the last step and that's this, follow, follow. Um, It's the most practical of the steps. And in a sense, it's the simplest of all of them, but it's not the easiest. And it's not easy because of what happens to us emotionally during times of uncertainty. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 37. And this is one of the longest, most significant stories of the Old Testament. This, This is the story of Joseph. And he is a favorite son who becomes a slave and a slave who then becomes an inmate and an inmate who then becomes the prime minister and a prime minister who saves a nation. And over a 13 year period, which is another reason why I love this story. This is, this is like, this is a long section of time. This is no instant gratification. This is no instant resolution to the issue Um, At hand, over 13 years, Joseph illustrates how you follow God in times of uncertainty. How you follow God when God doesn't seem to want to be followed. And then at the end, we're going to draw a a very simple conclusion. So Joseph is his father's favorite son. Um, as, As his father's favorite son, his brothers hate him. I mean, hate him. He was born to Joseph's favorite wife, which there's a whole mess of tangledness there, favorite wife. I don't know that anybody should have a favorite wife. Um, But Joseph was, he was born to his favorite wife. Um, And then Jacob sends Joseph to Shechem to check on his brothers who are off at war, which they hate because... Joseph's basically a tattletale. This is why they hate him so much. He tells his dad everything and, and they aren't there. And he runs into a guy who tells them where they went. And so he heads over there. He heads to Dothan where they are. And, and here's what happens. Genesis chapter seven, verse 18. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him which there's some of you may have family members that when you see them pulling in the driveway eh, maybe your gears start turning to what can i do here but hopefully not kill here comes that dreamer they said to each other come now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him then we'll see what comes of his dream now there's not a lot of love in that family. And some of you may have siblings, you can relate, but, but not a lot of love. Th- then the story gets interesting. They throw him into a pit and they have a discussion over whether they should sell him or kill him. C- could you imagine being in the bottom of this pit, being Joseph and listening to your brothers above talk about those two options? I mean, my goodness. Eventually they decide to sell him as a slave to a group of people who are headed towards Egypt. And here he is, 17 years old, right? Having done nothing wrong other than being a little bit of a tattletale, chained, being marched through the desert by strangers. Then he shows up in Egypt, right? Gets put on the auction block to be sold as a slave. And he's, here he is, the the son of a rich man, who in a matter of days went from being in that position, the favorite son of a rich man, to being on a slave's auction block. That's quite a turn of events. If you were to describe an uncertain situation, I would say that qualifies majorly. In fact, that, that probably makes most of our situations pale in comparison. But then as things are just really going bad for Joseph, the story kind of takes a twist. Verse one of chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of the Pharaoh's officials. In fact, he was the captain of the guard, bought from him the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And then here's here's the surprise verse. The Lord was with Joseph. To which I want to be like, wait, if the Lord was with Joseph, would he be being sold into slavery? Does that sound like the Lord is with him, right? If the Lord was with Joseph, as soon as his brothers laid their hands on him, they would have been knocked to the ground by maybe a booming voice from heaven. Keep off my son. You know, that, that, that's what happens when the Lord is with you. Not, not being sold into slavery by your brothers. Right and, and listen, if there's maybe only one thing that you need to hear this morning in your time of uncertainty, this is it. The fact that things are not going your way, the fact that there's your circumstances around you are uncertain, the fact that you can't figure out how things are gonna resolve themselves, those things do not mean, they are not evidence that God is not with you. Those things are not evidence that God does not care about you, but there's still the challenge of how do you follow God in these uncertain times? How how do you do that? Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So perhaps the Lord was with Joseph. Things are starting to look up a little bit. He's still a slave. He's still hundreds of miles from his family, but could be worse. Verse six, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. If you have trouble picturing that, just look at me. I can hear you laughing from there. But Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice and said, come to bed with me. And see, you didn't think the Bible was interesting, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, is in, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. Now this is incredible. He's a 17-year-old kid. I'm sure Potiphar's wife was an attractive woman. He's far away from home. Nobody's around. Right but here's what he says. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? To which I would say well, wait, Joseph. How could you sin against God? You you mean the God that allowed your brothers to throw you in a well? You mean the God that allowed you to be sold as a slave? Right? You you mean this God that has put you in this position where now you are are, are bearing this incredible temptation? That's the God, right? That's the God that you want to make sure you're obedient to, really? I mean, he answered none of your prayers, He abandoned you and you want to stay faithful? I mean, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. That's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? It Keeps going, verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. And she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. And immediately she was reduced to a pile of sand on the floor. And she was never heard from again because the Lord was with Joseph. (laughs) Some of you may be like, wait a minute. I don't remember that part, (laughs) right? Wait, is that? No, 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 that's not really in there. But that's how it's supposed to go, isn't it? If the Lord is with you, right? Protection. Keep you out of the circumstances, smite down your enemies, right? Here's here's what really happened when she approached him. And she grabbed his cloak, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So he did the right thing. Let's see how he's rewarded. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she says to them. This Hebrew that has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave that you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story of his wife told him, he says, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And honestly, Isn't this how life seems sometimes? Really, you pray and you pray and you pray and you try your best to do the right thing, the thing that you think God wants you to do, right? And then suddenly, then suddenly it feels as if God has turned against you. But in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. So Joseph is sitting in prison and he's saying, let me get this straight. I, I did the right thing. And what did I get? Now, not only am I a slave, but now I'm an inmate in the dungeon. Then the story takes another twist. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him and he showed him kindness, to which I'm like, well, that is not my idea of kindness. Right? If that's, if that's God's idea of kindness, no thanks. But he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison ward. Thanks, but no thanks is what I would say to that. Really, like, I don't want favor in the eyes of the warden. What I want is to have no idea who the warden even is. That's what I want, right? I, 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 hear I And here's Joseph. He's like, here I am in a place I don't want to be, right? And now there's this big, I just picture the warden as this big, you know, tattooed, toothless, just mean, pierced all over kind of guy, just like, don't mess with him, right? And you've given me favor with that guy? Wow, man, life is looking good for me. Things are looking up. Thanks for nothing, oh, faithful God. If you were with me, you would do something. But the Bible tells us the Lord was with Joseph. Now, here's the thing. It is so easy to follow God when we see him doing God things, right? When marriage is great, when the kids and the family are great, when our income is great, when our health is great, when those things are happening, it is so easy to follow God, right? But turn those things around and they couldn't possibly be God things. But what we see in this story, um, is that the whole time that God is not answering prayers, the whole time that he seems to be distant and ignoring Joseph and letting bad things happen, behind the scenes, he is at work. He is busy and he's doing things that Joseph had no idea about. He never clued Joseph in, never gave him the big picture. In fact, Joseph died without ever knowing big picture. But even though God was silent, God wasn't still. And even though there was no evidence of activity, God was active. God was very much with Joseph, even though it didn't seem like it on the surface. And those were uncertain times. And so in your uncertain times, how do you follow God when you can't even spot God? The story continues. Pharaoh had gotten mad at his baker and his cupbearer at some juncture along the way and had them thrown into prison. And by that time, Joseph was running the prison pretty much. And um, these two guys, the baker and the cupbearer, they had dreams, and Joseph interprets those dreams for them. And then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? still being faithful to God. Years have gone by, still being faithful. God gave the interpretations. It wasn't me. Then after he did this, he says this to the cupbearer, but when all goes well with you, because that was what the dream showed that things were going to go well for the cupbearer. Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. And I love this part because this is just, So human, he's just, don't forget me, please get me out of here. I know God is with me, but I don't want to be here. Verse 15, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all of his officials. And he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials, And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again, he put the cup into the Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And can you imagine? This is Joseph's big break, his big chance, right? This is it, to get out. And what happens? He is forgotten. Do you ever feel forgotten? Do you you, you ever have that feeling that those around you that you did stuff for, that you helped out, that you sacrificed for, and then there comes a moment and they could really help you out. But they forgot you. Ever experienced that? And if I were Joseph, I'd be like, God, are you not paying attention? That was the way out. That was the window. You missed it. What is going on? This is what we were praying for. This was my big break. You know, I, I gave you the credit for the interpretations of the dream. Have you, God, forgotten me as well? 11 years by this time, 11 years of unanswered prayer had gone by. But what do we know about Joseph? We know this. God was with Joseph. And I have good news for you this morning. In these moments of uncertainty, you may not be able to find God you may not be able to see him working because we tend to only see God in the good things. But if you've put your faith in Jesus, God is with you. The question is, is how how do we follow that kind of God? How, How do we see where he is in these moments? Two more years go by after the, Cutbearer had forgotten Joseph. And he assumes, I'm sure, that that he's going to spend the rest of his life in that dungeon. But that's not the case. Verse one of chapter 41, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. When he had this dream, he gets all the smart people together and they can't figure out what it is. And then two years later, the cupbearer goes, oh yeah, I know a guy. I know a guy, right? And this is how it goes. So so they get Joseph and they clean him up, wash him, give him a haircut, I'm sure, and take him up and present him to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Continuing in the midst of all of this to be faithful to God. So he interprets the dream and Pharaoh quickly realizes that he is the smartest guy in Egypt. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And can you imagine after 11 years, after 11 years going from inmate to in charge, right? Like there's no, you can't plan that. You can't set a goal for that jump. Right? There's no five-year plan. There's no way that happens. No way. Unless God is with you. See, we, we give up hope unless we remember to factor God into the situation. Look at how the story ends. Famine comes into the land the way that Joseph had predicted and interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And he sets up, Joseph sets up a brilliant business plan to make sure that, that there would be enough food in the land of Egypt. And when the famine comes, it, he set it up in such a way that, that just so much wealth uh, belonged to the Pharaoh, which, which set us up for the next few books of the, of the Old Testament, really. And don't do it while I'm preaching, but you really need to read this entire story. It, it, it's, it's fascinating. But the famine just isn't in Egypt. It's all over the world. So this is their version of coronavirus everywhere. It's all over the world. And back in Canaan, his family is starving. And they have to go to Joseph, not knowing it's him, go to Joseph as the ruler of Israel to ask for food. And in the long version of the story, Joseph toys with them for a little bit and plays with them and runs them through all sorts of emotions and whatnot. But then he decides finally after all of that to tell them who he is. Chapter 45, verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. I mean, what a dramatic moment. Could, could you imagine just the emotion in the room? And now he says, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. And this is such an important point because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Do you know how Joseph was able to follow God through all of those years? It was very simple, not easy, simple. Somehow Joseph was able to see God in the uncertainty. See, we see God when things are certain. And when things are uncertain, we think, where's God? But Joseph was able to see God in those moments of uncertainty, that God hadn't fallen asleep, that God was still active. And do you know what he did? Here's what he did. And, And this is just the, man, if we can grasp hold of this, he acted like a person who in their circumstances was confident God was with them. Joseph did what someone would do if they were confident God was with them. That is how Joseph was able to follow God in moments of uncertainty. And the application is this, and again, so simple, yet so difficult for us to grasp. In your circumstances right now, And we all, our circumstances are all messed up right now with all of the, you know, the shelter at home. And is this open? Is it not open? Are we worried? Are we not worried? What's going on? But in your circumstances right now, whatever they are, those things that are uncertain, that are weighing on you, that you're wondering about, that you're fretting about, what would somebody do? What would you do in this circumstance if you were confident that God was with you. And that is what you should do. That is how you should respond. That is how you should behave. That's how you follow God in uncertain times. God is with us. Do you know why? Do you know why God said, I will never leave you or forsake you? He said that because he knew that there were times when we would feel forsaken. He knew there would be times when we would feel like God has left us. When things were not good, things weren't going our way. We were carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders and God just seemed so distant and so deaf to the things that we were asking <laughs> that we would begin to wonder, has God forsaken me? But he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And all I'm asking in these times of uncertainty is for you, is for you because we are tempted to say things aren't good. God's not here. But in these moments of uncertainty, live like someone who is confident God is with them. Because the time will come once you get separation from this circumstance, once there is time between now and the future you, you will be able to look back and recognize where God was working. But that's difficult to do in the moment. At the end of this story, Joseph's dad dies. And and when his dad dies, his brothers are terrified that Joseph is now going to take revenge for them selling him because they assume that the only reason he hadn't is because it would burden his father so much. And so they come and they throw themselves down before Joseph and beg for mercy. And Joseph is like, guys, guys, I was serious when I told you not to worry. Like really, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Because throughout those 13 years of hell that I went through, God was with me. So here's the challenge. What do you do when your job situation is up in the air? What do you do if you don't know if you'll be able to afford the essentials for your family? What do you do when you don't know when life is going to get back to normal? What do you do when you just can't see how things are going to work out? Remember, God said, I will never leave you. Just follow me, follow me. Do the next right thing because I am with you. And I'll tell you this morning what what gives me the confidence to say this. Not, Not only have I experienced this to some degree in my life, but I have walked with people who have handled their uncertainty in this way. That they say, I'm going to walk as if I have full confidence in God. And there was a peace that came over them and that enveloped the situation. And it turned out that indeed, in the end, God was with them. So, how do you handle times of uncertainty like we're in? What do you do? You pray, you remember you seek, and you follow. And then we, like Joseph before us, will be able to look back on our circumstance and say, indeed, God was with me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that, Lord, even when we can't see it, you are active. That Lord, even when we feel we've been forsaken, that Lord, you are with us. God, I pray for people who are going through just heavy times right now. Lord, I pray that they are able to grab a hold of this idea. And be able to step back from their circumstance and say, what would someone do in my circumstance if they were confident God was with them? And then be able to act in that way. Because indeed, Lord, you are with us. Lord, I thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and for your faithfulness. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Um, As always, if you or anyone you know needs any kind of help or assistance, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. I hope you have a wonderful week.